Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Pure Freedom. Pure Freedom, I've never done that before. That's one of your best starts ever. We're not even going to edit that one. That was That was beautiful. <laughs> Pure freedom, the pure freedom promo today. The, <laughs> yeah, that's true. The pure, the pure victory podcast. People are coming on and like, what did we just click on? Like, what are these guys talking about? The pure, yeah. f- what's this F thing? I don't know what's going on, but yeah. pure, uh, it's like when you're talking, you got words in front of you. Sometimes things get mixed up just when your brain's not salad. too good. So. I'm not sure where we're going with this, but hey, we'll get there. We, we better turn it over to Will. <laughs> let, Will <laughs> let Will take over. Oh man, I'm excited that Will, uh, Will was, uh, we went through one-on-one coaching together and Will's been part of Pure Freedom Journey for a while and man, Will was just so, it was it was the best working with you. I mean, there's other people who's also the best with doing one-on-one coaching, but I loved every session with you, Will, and uh, when we got to do one-on-one and just getting to know you has been so cool, but one of the coolest things for me has been seeing how the Lord has so clearly worked in you, but clearly worked through you too. And impacting other people. And so uh, you grew up small town boy in Alberta. Now you're young adult pastor at a big church in the Windy City, Lethbridge, Alberta, <laughs> up in Canada. And uh, close to the close to the U.S. border for all you American listeners. He's, That's he's, their frame of reference. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like prob- probably an hour, hey, Will, from U.S.? Yeah, yeah. An hour, so not too far north of Montana. But anyways, Will, uh, I'm pumped to hear your story and pumped to hear everything you got to say today. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I'm pumped to be here, Matt. 
And good to meet you, Will. Uh, I love uh, <laughs> yeah, connecting with um, people that want to share their story and what God's done. And and so that's kind of where we'll start you off with is is yeah. uh, just the beginning of, of uh, your journey and how God God got a hold of you. But um, maybe just delve into kind of the areas of brokenness and what God's done and start wherever you want. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, cool to be here. I listen to podcasts a lot and it's been helpful in my journey. <clears throat> um my journey feels like a long one, but uh, has been good, and, and God has been faithful all the way through. I grew up uh, in a family of believers, um, but there was some struggle. I've got a pretty big family. I'm right in the middle of six kids, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, lots of fun, but we fought a lot, too. Uh, and my parents raised us uh, in the church, knew who God was, and I, I always trusted God as a comfort, but I didn't really know him as Lord. And I didn't really know him personally as a good father. My dad wasn't always around, always the best example of the, of God's heart uh, to me as a kid. He struggled with uh, alcoholism and, and uh, was often away. He worked away a lot. Um, so it was often, yeah, my mom and us kids and just didn't see the example of a godly man in my life that caused some trouble and some, uh, yeah, just some turmoil in my life as the females in my life were the only examples of godliness. My struggle with porn started when I was pretty young. I remember being introduced to it by a friend in probably third grade. Yeah. I just remember the shame of I have a distinct memory of in my grade four classroom sitting under a counter with, with that friend um, and wanting to tell her this like secret that I had. And I knew that I couldn't. And that's like my first memory of shame. And I, I think since then I, I struggled on and off with porn and uh, was further introduced to it later. And it, it became something that uh, was how I chose to numb hard feelings, which there became a lot of as I grew up. And, and how I chose to cope with stress. And I think that's probably all of our stories. But as I grew up, I started to struggle with relationships. And, and as I grew more in faith and went through high school and found that faith had to be something that mattered eventually, you know, God, Jesus gave this promise of abundant life. And I didn't feel like I experienced it. I struggled with uh, anxiety and depression and, and, uh, just really low self-esteem. <clears throat> and I, yeah, I think I put all of that struggle into porn. It was something that was uh, porn and yeah, masturbation and acting out. That way was something that I think there was an element of control in it, right? I could yeah. go there and, and numb and find, find uh, pleasure and satisfaction, even if momentarily. Um, as I got into my young adulthood, my young adult years, I recognized that relationships weren't as fulfilling as I, I thought they should be. And I wasn't living in the abundant life that Jesus promised. A huge part of my wrestling with that was shame. Uh, as I got into college, I found language for that. Uh, I found, uh, started reading a lot of Brene Brown and, and watched yeah. her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability. And, and that kind of inspired me to 
start pushing a little bit more into vulnerability, but there was always these untouchable parts that, that like I wouldn't share with anyone and I didn't want to go into. And it just felt like I carried this, this darkness with me that like, no matter what I did, it just kind of was looming and I was scared of it being exposed. Yeah. And so what, what was one of the one or maybe even more than one of those untouchables from your younger years? I had a really hard time naming what it was for a long time. Um, I had this like sexual experience in the past that was ongoing that I think is pretty common, but I didn't have words for it. So I called it a lot of different things. At one point I went through some counseling and kind of with a counselor called it uh, uh, an interference, like a sexual interference. As I, as I did that and wrestled with what it was, it never really, uh, landed and never felt like it was resolving issues or, or bringing healing. What did it feel like? Yeah, it felt like, it felt like I was trying to resolve some symptomatic issues. I didn't mm. want to feel anxious or depressed, mm. but I also didn't want to dig into the pain of the past. Um, and slowly God through his grace showed me that I could step into the pain of the past and walk through it and find healing. I mean, it was a long process of, of learning a bit about testimony and how to own my story because I, I knew I carried this shame in my past, but wouldn't, yeah, was scared to face it. So I was constantly running from it. And then I wrestled with testimony and found a mentor that uh, had shared some similar experience. Yeah, one day kind of asked him a question of like, how did you get to that place of sharing? And he saw right through that question and, and asked me what was going on. And so I, I shared with him at that point, shared my struggle with porn and just told him I had like a similar experience. And he just encouraged me to uh, reach out to the people in my life who were there for me already and trust that they would be there for me. Um, and so I did. And I, it, I think it took like a year and a half. And then I finally told another mentor that, uh, I had been abused as a child. I don't even know that I called it abuse when I told her. I still didn't know what to call it um, because it was abuse, like same-sex sexual abuse by a, a boy that was a few years older than me. And so I didn't feel like it was this like malicious, you know, he chose to like violate me. I recognized that it was maybe just like stupid or or selfish or whatever, but it wasn't actually about abusing me. And then I, I think almost another year went by and I had shared that story then with one mentor and then in a small group of friends, just like the abuse part. And then, yeah, God led me to Restored Ministries and to working with you, Matt. And that's like where all of these things mesh together. And a few months before I got on the first call with you, I received a phone call from that guy in my life who had abused me when I was a kid and he just like owned up to it and and told me he was seeking healing and freedom and it was it was the most unexpected thing for me uh I'd like at different points throughout growing up grieved to that relationship and thought that it was just like man we'll never have a relationship and and that's fine and I'll just live with that because I don't know if I can fully forgive and I don't know if God can redeem and I don't know if that, that person is going to find healing and redemption. And so I, I, yeah, I grieved it a lot and then received this phone call that really changed things. And 
and knew God was working then and leading me into deeper freedom. At that point, I was I was working at a camp in ministry. Uh, I started a gap year program at a, a summer camp, a Bible camp. And about a year before I did, I was at a conference and, and asked somebody for prayer. I forget how I worded it to him. I didn't tell him that it was porn or sex related or anything, but just said, like, there's some things in my life that I know God is rooting out before I'm in ministry, because it was always a fear of mine to be like, I don't know, a pastor one day and, and be found out, right? And right. fall from grace, kind of, you know, a couple of years down the road, God is doing the work of rooting it out. <laughs> so I received that call and then uh, just stumbled upon Restored Ministries. Yeah, I found your Instagram page. There was something about booking a call, so I did. And right around that time, maybe a couple of weeks after we started working together, Matt, um, I was doing a devotional in the version app, and it was about the holiness of God. It's in Exodus chapter 20. It gives the Ten Commandments. And then uh, there's this scene where verse 18 says, the people saw thunder and lightning and heard a trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke and they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance. So that all of Israel is scared of like God's power being demonstrated, right? And this is this moment where they're trembling in fear and, and scared of the power of God uh, manifested on this mountain. Um, but verse 21 says, God's or Moses speaks to the people, sorry, and tells them, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will keep you from sinning. And then 21 says, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And this was like, man, God spoke to me so powerfully when I read that. And I think I broke down then. And then it was like a week of just raw emotions and, and figuring out like, man, I can actually face my darkness with a promise from God that he'll be in the midst of it, that I won't be alone in looking at my past, um, but that I actually will find him in the midst of the darkness, right? The darkness is not dark to him. So cool. And that, yeah, it was absolutely like the courage and, and inspiration that I needed and the promise that I needed to hold on to, to uh, stop running from that thick cloud of darkness that, felt like it chased me wherever I went and actually just be still and walk into it, knowing that Jesus is there and that he'd meet me in it. Um, and man, it's brought so much freedom. And even though it was so hard, I really wrestled with like actually looking at the past and looking like looking at these experiences. So when I mentioned that experience of shame in grade four underneath of that uh, countertop, like on the floor with, with a friend and I wanted to tell her something in whatever way my nine-year-old brain thought of it, that I like had experienced some, had some sexual experience yeah, and I knew that I couldn't tell her that. And so that continued from, from grade four to from eight or nine years old to I think 13 um, and just continual and repeated and felt broken from it. Right. I felt ashamed and broken and, and, uh, like this piece of me was like my sexuality was hijacked in a way too. Like it being same sex was, uh, a part of the shame of it that, you know, going through puberty, that's what my body learned to respond to. Right. And it was a long road walking that wrestling with like, why did this happen or why did God allow this to happen? Um, and what do I call it? Because I didn't want to think that that person was capable of my, my assumption was that abuse was like this malicious and intentional thing. 
that like it was premeditated and and it was for the purpose of hurting the victim. When I found that promise and courage to face the darkness, I also found the grace to actually just call it abuse because the result was that I was abused. Yeah. Even if the intention wasn't malicious and and hurtful, right? The thing about that story in Exodus 20 is that when there's thunder and lightning and smoke and all all that like that's a pretty crazy setting. Like that's yeah. Pretty Absolutely. intense. And you look like, well, why didn't the people go to God like Moses did? But it's like, right. you got to understand why. Like, they that's pretty intense <laughs> scenario they're yeah. in. So yeah. a lot of us are scared to face that stuff. Yeah. But Moses went and approached the darkness where God was. You had that fear to label for what it was. Absolutely. But I remember that moment so clearly. I remember where, where mm-hmm. I was sitting when you were talking. Mid-sentence, yeah. you just talked about your sexual interference. And it just stood out mm-hmm. to me. It was like God like highlighted that word to me. And I was like, why did you call it that? Yeah. And I remember you saying that, like, well, it wasn't malicious against me. And I said, but it it, it happened to you. Like, it hurt you. Yeah. And you do need yeah. to identify what it was. And so I'm right. curious from that, what were some of the beliefs or, or the things like th- that were in you that came from that abuse experience? First, like, the most identifiable thing that I could identify from the time I was a teenager was just insecurity that uh, I held this secret of having like this same sex sexual experiences. Um, but then was constantly like, not again, not maliciously, but bullied and talked about and like people would constantly ask about my sexuality through high school. And I mean, even then 10 plus years ago was like, culturally at, in my small town high school like not acceptable right like if you were divergent from heterosexuality in any way it was not okay and and everyone knew that and there wasn't yeah that acceptance and tolerance that i think there that is often advocated for now <laughs> um yeah so there was lots of shame and lots of insecurity and i, I never felt like i could be who I was or even like find room to grow right when you're a teenager and discovering who you are I never felt like I could give myself that room and so then out of that I, I became anxious and, and developed like a, a pretty significant social anxiety and fear of what people thought and fear of um, yeah just fear of man of like do I appear how do I appear to people and what do they think of me and what does that say about my worth it Definitely, and I could identify this for a long time, I think, or wondered about it, contributed to my porn addiction and and wrestle with porn that way. So porn for me often was same-sex porn that I used and looked at. Um, But I always knew deep down that I wasn't romantically interested in the same sex. And it, it was like really confusing for me because my body was responding and that's like just what I went to. I wasn't really even interested in looking at straight porn. I, and I felt like a different shame when I looked at uh, straight porn and, and felt like I just didn't want to view women that way. And I mentioned women like were always, it was always my mom and my grandma who were like leaders and inspiration and faith to me. And I was always close with my sisters, a little bit closer than my brothers and had female friends. And I just, there was something about that that felt more shameful to me because I think I justified looking at gay porn, knowing that that wasn't what I wanted. I think I found a lot of freedom and I found a lot of clarity through counseling and through just maturity and getting free from porn in, in what I was experiencing, I guess. But there was confusion between like, 
a normal level of even comparison of body, like in the gym or something, right? When you're, when you notice that someone's attractive or, or like, uh, super fit or whatever, those are like a relatively normal thing. But there was also like this ingrained sexuality piece of it for me, or like sexualization of the other person for me because of porn, right? That's how it affects our brain that we think of people differently. And I think it's interesting to, for me to see that now because it affects still how I, I think the basis of the root of like the porn addiction is the same. I feel like through porn, I built an attraction to the same sex, but still experienced attraction to the opposite sex, but didn't, didn't, uh, explore that through pornography as often or as far or as far. Yeah. And as you're sharing all this, um, I know there's a lot of years you're, you're unpacking here and yeah. describing <laughs> this. Um, and I know yeah. that this is a journey and a process, but, uh, you know, your walk with Jesus through this, mm-hmm. um, can you describe that? Cause I know like for Absolutely. myself, when I was battling a porn addiction, it really affected the way I viewed God. Um, mm-hmm. in my own personal walk with him too. So maybe describe mm-hmm. that a little bit because you've you've come a full gamut of, of different mm-hmm. experiences and different levels of freedom and moving now where you are. So maybe describe that, how in each kind of season your walk with Jesus was and, and how um, maybe the, the addiction affected that, but then what yeah. how freedom impacted that as well too. I grew up in a Christian family. I knew who God was and wrestled with testimony throughout my life like the past probably eight years as I've walked with with Christ uh just wrestled through testimony and like what is it and and what uh does it mean to share your testimony because so often it's I accepted Christ when I was this age and that's kind of the whole thing um which is certainly part of it but uh I grew up yeah knowing bible stories and even like wanting to read the bible and stuff and and then there was always, I, I think part of it was that shame that I carried, which was significant throughout high school and, and grew throughout high school. And then the year I graduated high school, I found myself pretty depressed in, in the probably six months after. And I wasn't following Jesus at all. I had this experience of just crying out to God. I was in, in a place where I felt depressed and hopeless, and I couldn't see uh, what was in my future right? You graduated high school and now you have to choose something to do. And I just couldn't see it. And so I cried out to God and, and he just gave me peace about an option that a friend had told me about, about going to a Bible school. Um, and it was the first time I ever really experienced a personal answer to prayer that way, where, where I felt God, like I felt a peace wash over me in a moment where I was just like desperate. Um, <clears throat> And so I knew that I had to obey that and, and go where that peace was. And so I, I went to Bible, uh, a Bible school, it was six months long. And it was kind of the first time where I found there were lots of peers that wanted to follow Jesus and that loved the Lord. And it was six months of like intense learning about God that grew my faith exponentially. Like it was profound. Um, throughout that, like porn and sexuality and everything was still kind of untouchable. I didn't really have an example either of people talking about that and getting free yet. Similarly, I've now had this experience of like praying and and being led by God's spirit to action. And when I finished that Bible school six months later, 
kind of felt called to work at a summer camp. I wasn't ever interested in that growing up and, and had only went twice when I was little and hated it. And yeah, just felt like that was what God was putting on my heart and stepped into that for a summer. And it, again, it grew my faith because I got to share faith with kids and still struggled like with porn every weekend. And I was, yeah, smoking all the time. And on the weekends, I had a very separate life of faith. Mm. And then like who I was, just me, just kind of projecting that image of I have it all together and I'm growing. And I was, and that was true. I didn't have it all together though, because <laughs> by myself, I was doing all sorts of things that I didn't want to be doing, but also did like have affection for. Like I liked my sin a lot. <laughs> how did your self image or your confidence, uh, I, I guess it could be a two part question. Yeah. Like how was it affected by all of this stuff? Like the, the porn, but also still, the, the, the abuse, but then how did that change? Yeah. Like how did things get better in your self image and freedom? Yeah. I think at, at this point when I was kind of, so I had been walking with the Lord, like intentionally or, or following him being obedient for like a year at that point. Um, and I, it wasn't even really starting to change yet. Honestly, I, I felt a bit more confident probably. Um, just as I grew in maturity, my confidence was in what I knew and in how I could present myself as competent and having it all together. Um, but it wasn't the same as knowing who you are in Christ and, and believing it and living out of that. It was still about me and what I knew. But as I continued to follow and, and be obedient to where God was calling me and God putting me in positions where this is a significant piece in growing my confidence, I think, and, and my self-image where people saw me in a way that I didn't see myself. And so they'd call me into leadership positions and into positions of responsibility that I would have actively avoided had they not called me into them and been specific about like calling a, a leadership out of me and, and uh, a character that I didn't readily see. And that was, yeah, continued to be a journey throughout college and, and obviously like at a Bible college where I was learning about God and the character of God, but still actively avoiding dealing with my sin and shame. And I think the thing about not dealing with our secrets and our shame is that you can only grow so far. Right. And it, it's not like a, a deep and genuine heart transformation maybe uh, because I still was believing lies about my self-worth, that shame and, and <laughs> Satan was speaking over me, right? And about my brokenness and that I couldn't share that brokenness with people, that I would be unlovable. And and that was hard as people like called things out in me that were good and positive and, and things they appreciated, like inviting me to yeah, be a leader in, in different communities and inviting me to uh, participate in, uh, shaping culture and community. And, and I, but I, I always felt like a fraud, I guess, mm. because I didn't see myself that way. I was always scared of being found out. Right. Right. I totally can relate to that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I went to Bible school too, in the whole period yeah. when, uh, I'm looking at porn and you sign that, that covenant right. sheet thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, um, and so you feel such guilt about that and, and, um, you do feel like a yeah. fraud at times. Um, now, yeah. often people in their journeys, um, there's that internal tipping point um, where mm -hmm. you're like, okay, God, I, I surrender. I'm going to do it your way. I need help. Mm -hmm. I need you in this because I've tried to manage this for so long and it's just not working. 
Did you have a moment yeah. like that, Will? Or was it more of a, a process for you? What would you say? You know, I think that it was like a process that came to a head. Um, like that, that shame and, and peace that felt like a fraud was expounded when I was in leadership positions and hiding my shame, hiding, hiding my uh, struggle with porn and, and all of my sin. And then in positions where like I had to talk to other people about, they would open up to me because I was their leader about their struggles. And I just was like, man, I, I actually can't do this. And I don't know how, I don't know if there is freedom because I haven't experienced it. And so I just felt like more of a fraud. And when I look back, I see the grace of God to put me in those positions and to put people in my life faithfully that spoke truth into my life. And so all of those things contributed to then that uh, experience of having um, the guy that abused me phone and, and own up to it and take ownership for it and, and having uh, yeah, the promise of God to, that he would meet me in my brokenness. And, and I think at that moment when I received that promise from God to that I could walk into my brokenness and, and still experience his goodness and find healing when I, yeah, through, through coaching with Matt, we looked at ex, uh, Ephesians chapter five that talks about you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord and how, uh, Jesus comes and brings light to the darkness and then makes what was dark a light. And so that was further uh, just courage to own my story in a real way that uh, could contribute not only to my healing, but to the healing of others, right? So to actually see the pain in my life, not just healed, but redeemed. Um, and not just, yeah, I, I, I want to fix things, right? And I, I just like, when I first started to going to counseling in college, I didn't want to feel anxious anymore and didn't want to feel depressed and wanted to walk into a room full of people and not feel like everyone was judging me or looking at me or, or wondering what they were thinking. Right. But I think God has more for us. And that's been a consistent theme in my testimony. And, and as I've walked out face with the Lord is just this promise that there is more um, and he's able to do a month abundantly more than all we could hope for or ask or imagine. And in that, uh, his redemption and his healing is more, right? And so I've seen that in going from being absolutely unwilling to share any parts of my story to, uh, yeah, sharing with an entire congregation and, and sharing generously so that God can use that story for light uh, to bring him glory, but also to bring others to himself, which, yeah glorifies him right <laughs> yeah uh, it's just been so cool to see and i was down at your church you organized just a a, a week well not a week three days of you you yeah. used me a lot <laughs> you used, <me, laughs> used and abused me but it was fun <laughs> yeah. just speaking to different groups at your church and uh and not even just me like you've shared like you're saying you shared yeah. with the congregations and groups and you've shared your story multiple yeah. times and and now yeah. you're here on the podcast, and uh, it's just been so neat for me to watch you, Will, because you know this, but I'm proud of you in your in your willingness to dive into that stuff, the dark yeah. stuff, and then use that. Yeah. And with the Ephesians five, I always think like he turns it into light, but then he and then he says, "Now go shine your light," mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what you've been yeah. doing is you're shining the light of God in your life. 
mm. and impacting others. And uh, and just, I mean, I knew it right away. We've known each other a couple of years. I knew the, the Lord had his hand on you, but mm. now starting to see it has been so neat. And there's going to be so much more and so many more people impacted. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and I just love the, like a few of the things that I love that you are, walked through is the person who abused you, you forgave them before you mm-hmm. got that phone call, uh, right. where they repented and they were apologetic. You forgave that person yeah. Yeah. and your forgiveness was not based on them coming to you and making it right. Your forgiveness was because right. you're forgiven by Jesus right. and you wanted to, you yeah. wanted to forgive and be free of that. And you wanted to let yeah. the Lord come in and transform you and redeem things. And, and mm-hmm. your, your heart has been so good and you've just been determined to glorify God and everything that you've been through mm-hmm. and you've done it. So it's been a joy to, to watch you grow and to just watch how things have now expanded into not just it being the Lord working in you, but now through you too, right. which has been right. amazing. So I really yeah. appreciate everything. Uh, that you shared today and everything uh, that you've shared with with people and the impact that you're making, not just in the sexual area, in other areas mm-hmm. too, but but you are making an impact in sexual area. You know, you've you've yeah. even had other people yeah. share their stories too, and yeah. Uh, yeah. your story is just getting going. So, yeah. is there anything else on your heart just before we wrap up that you want to share and maybe encourage somebody else with? Because a lot of what you've said has been so mm-hmm. relatable that people are yeah. scared to face things, or we do have this shame that we carry. And so, yeah. yeah, anything on your heart just to wrap up? Yeah, um, I think for a long time, I thought healing was solving the problem and uh, then I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. But I think more and more that uh, walking through healing of, of trauma and painful things, um, if you go to counseling and, and they talk about like uh, internal family systems, and this idea that like, I think actually maybe you guys have talked about this on the podcast too, this like wounded little boy that is in you, that yeah. is part of you. Um, I think I'm learning that the reality is that wounded little boy isn't going to go away and I don't actually want him to, but healing is growing in how I respond and parent him when he's triggered and, and shows up, right? Um, and so rather than living out of that hurt, I can recognize that that hurt is, is part of me and part of my past and, and, uh, God can redeem it and restore it. But part of that is also just the walk of maturity to, to recognize the hurt and, and trust God that he, um, is bigger and that I am safe with him, that, that even in the midst of darkness, he's, he's present and I'm safe with him. That's a great image. And it's true. We are safe yeah. in his presence, his arms, and his love for us uh, touches every area. Um, and, and we're thankful for that and thankful for yeah, that in your absolutely. life. Um, and we're yeah. so proud of you and thankful for you being yeah. vulnerable to share your story today. Um, I know it's going to touch uh, many, many people. So thanks for yeah. your willingness to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. For all you out there listening. Stay tuned next week for more great stories, more great episodes, and we're so thankful you're walking this with us too. So bless you and have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.